Good morning, everyone. What a beautiful morning. So lovely on the downs this morning, and it was just such an opportunity to give thanks and praise our glorious God. Um, This morning's reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, reading from verse 1 to 21, uh, which is found on page 1093 of the Church Bibles. And just to set the context a bit, um, the disciples are all together after Jesus has just ascended to heaven to be with our Father. They are waiting and praying, just as he commanded them to do. So chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. 
and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wonderful. These first Sundays of the month, we're starting a brand new series looking at the book of Acts over this whole year. It's going to be fantastic. But um, Lizzie and I, we went on holiday a few years ago to Morton and Marsh. If you've been there, it's an exotic location, I'm telling you. Uh, and we stayed in a friend's house, uh, a friend who was on a holiday, so we had the whole run of their house. And they had, they had a kid who's like eight years old, and uh, he, he loved, loved reading. So I did a little nose around his room, had a little look, as you do, you know, when you're someone else's house, you look at their stuff. Um, and so I was looking at his bookshelf, and I saw these. The How to Train Your Dragon books. And now I love dragons. So I, I thought, oh, I'll have a little read. Grabbed the first one, opened it, started reading. And like, I was hooked. Like, like gripped, but 26 years old, gripped by, by this children's book, How to Train Your Dragon. It, it's amazing. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And he had 10 of the 12 books. And that week's holiday, I read all 10 of his books. Because I, I, I just had to, it was so good, I had to read it, had to know how it finished. And so um, um, I even ordered off Amazon the last two books. Uh, so here's the last one. Because I had to get to the, to the last chapter to find out what happened to Little Dragon Toothless to see if things would be okay. I had to make it to the final chapter because the final chapter is so important. It wraps up the story, brings everything together and makes everything beautiful, doesn't it? I had to make it. They're great books, by the way. Do read them. Um, and, 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 and see, Acts 2, verses 1 to 21, is kind of like um, the start of How to Train a Dragon, book 12. It's like the start of the final chapter. And at the surface, it seems a little bit odd. If you're listening in the reading, we have tongues of fire, violent wind, we have languages, we have the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. Like It seems a little bit odd on the surface. And look how people respond in verse 13 and verse 12. People said, they've had too much wine to drink. Others are saying, what does this mean? And so Peter, one of the disciples, stands up and tells us exactly what it means. And we're going to see two things this morning. The first thing Peter tells us is this, that the final chapter has begun. And the second thing that this Pentecost event means, we'll see in the second half of the talk, is that God's people are equipped for the final chapter. So, the final chapter has begun. Um, Peter begins his defense in verse 15. He says this, he says, look, these people are not drunk. No, it's only nine in the morning. Um, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. See, he goes back, back in the Bible to, to, to Old Testament man Joel. And Joel listed these big signs that would mark the beginning of the end, that would show that the final chapter has begun. Two big signs he, he, he marks out. Sign one in verse 17. Have a little look. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And look at Pentecost, look at Acts 2, verse 4. All of them are filled with the Spirit. Like sign one, it's happening. Check. Like, like we're in the last days. And then sign two, sign two, verse 19 and 20. And verse 19, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And the wonders, the sun will be turned to darkness. If you know your Bibles, you'll know that when Jesus died on the cross, Luke 23, verse 44. Darkness covered the whole land until three in the afternoon. The sun turned to darkness. Like sign two, check, it's happening. Like, like, like Peter's point is, you guys, you're living in the last days. The final chapter has begun. And see, this last days bit sounds a bit fancy. It's basically the time from Jesus' death and resurrection to when he comes back again. 
So we are living in the last days, the final chapter right now. And so, well, what's life like in this final chapter? We get a few hints in Acts 2. But before that, have you noticed how um, movie writers and, and book writers, they love going full circle. They love like like starting with something and then in the last bit, they end full circle, redeeming it, making it beautiful and happy at the end. Have you seen that before? So, for example, Lord of the Rings, um, little Frodo and Sam, they leave the Shire in book one, the Fellowship of the Ring. But then book three, Return of the King, they come back riding some mules, donkey things to, to, to their little hobbit hole in the Shire in Bag End. It's lovely full circle stuff. And see, that's like this final chapter in Acts 2. We get full circle stuff happening. God's reversing the curse, giving hints as to what the end is going to be like. So have a little look at this. Number one, God is with his people. See, in the beginning, um, in Genesis chapter 3, Well, God separates himself from people. God banishes humans from the garden because of their sin and their rebellion. He separates himself from people. And yet here, Acts 2, verse 4, like God is with his people, like all in the fold of the Holy Spirit, God is with his people. God is in and with his people. Reversing the curse, full circle stuff, yeah? It's amazing. And then number two, number two. People are drawn together. Because again, at Genesis 3, one of the consequences of sin was that there's fights between people. And then, Genesis 11, people band together to build this massive tower of Babel. A tower reaching to the heavens where they can be proud and arrogant and be gods themselves. And so God comes down and scatters them. It's confusing their languages. Well here, Acts 2. Acts 2 verse 6, language doesn't scatter, and now it draws people together. Language isn't confused, people are drawn together. So verse uh, verse 11, people hear these disciples declaring the ones of God in their own language. It's amazing, reversing the curse, full circle stuff. And and then the third one, people can be saved. Because one of the consequences of, of sin is that people die. And yet here, The final chapter, Acts 2, verse 21. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People can be saved. Instead of eternal death, we can have eternal life. Amazing stuff. People can be saved. People are drawn together. People are with their God. The final chapter has begun. And see, um, this whole full circle, reversing the curse stuff, is only possible because of one man. Because of Jesus. Jesus, God's son, came to this earth. Jesus, God's son, died on the cross. And we can be with God because Jesus was forsaken by God on the cross. We can be drawn together because Jesus was ripped apart on the cross. We can be saved because Jesus was left to die on the cross. See, he died. Yet... Jesus, the glorious saviour, rose from the dead. He came back to life. He beat death so that everyone who trusts in him, everyone who calls on his name, can also beat death and rise to brand new life with him. Isn't that amazing? Incredible stuff. The final chapter has begun. And yet, it will end. There's this thing in America called the Black Friday sales, and they've come over here to England. Have you noticed this? The Black Friday sales, a day of limited time only, ridiculous sale prices. So, honesty time. Hands up if you bought something from the Black Friday sales in this church. Hands up. 
There we go. There's a few. Okay. I did. I bought a fondue kit for my sister-in-law. Like a nice little fondue kit. It was delightful. Half price. Lovely stuff. But, but, but Black Friday sales. People go absolutely wild in these sales. They fight over clothes in next. They camp outside Apple stores. They stay up till midnight on their computers on Amazon waiting to buy that thing. Because once it's over, it's over. Once the sale's gone, that's it. Game over. They can't get their gas stuff anymore. And people don't want to miss out. And just like that, the final chapter has an end too. Verse 20. The glorious day of the Lord. The coming of that great and glorious day of the Lord. Jesus will come back. And when he comes back, the book's closed. The final chapter's over. And so, now is the time to call on the name of the Lord. See, if you don't already believe in Jesus, please don't put it off. Please don't say, I'll think about this Jesus guy when I'm older, or think about him later down the line. Don't put it off, because the end is coming. We don't know when, we don't know what time it's going to be, but it could happen today. Don't miss out. Jesus, who was abandoned, forsaken, ripped apart, and left to die so that we could be with God, drawn together and saved. And if you want to know more, I have to film myself about that. But if we're Christians already who love and trust in Jesus, well, this final chapter is one where we go. Because the disciples, the Holy Spirit comes on them and then they go. It's one where we go. Because this is urgent stuff. It's going to end. We go and tell others about Jesus, how to come to, to, to believe in him. And here's a little easy way of doing that, my easy, simple way of doing that. It goes, your story, my story, his story. Should we say it together? Your story, my story, his story. Lovely. So, so like so like tomorrow, you, you, you're out there and you meet a friend. You, you ask them, oh, how was your weekend? They'll tell you. And because we're British people living in England, we'll be like, and how was your weekend? You know how it goes. Um, and that's, that, that's, that's my story time. So you say, Saturday, went for a nice walk with Lizzie, had a lovely lunch, um, and then... We get on to his story. And on Sunday, I went to church, heard a cracking sermon about how to praise God and why it's good to praise him. And then the bold step, hey Frank, have you ever thought about God or church before? Your story, my story, his story. It's really easy, but, but it's so important, so vital, so urgent, because the final chapter has begun and it will end. So now is the time to call the name of the Lord. And we're going to find out more in a few minutes. Wonderful. And what we'll do instead, we'll read Narnia to you. So be excited for some reading of Narnia. I've got it here. We're we're all good. So um, Narnia, if you don't know it, uh, there's four people who go back to this magical land where where, um, they're trying to save the land from an evil witch who's got the place under control. uh, and, And these four meet Father Christmas. Isn't that exciting? I think it's quite exciting. Um, and, and here's what happens when we meet Father Christmas. These are your presents, said Father Christmas. And they are tools, not toys. The time to use them is perhaps near at hand. Bear them well. With these words, he handed to Peter a shield and a sword. The shield was the color of silver. And across it there ramped a red lion as bright as a ripe strawberry. The hilt of the sword was gold. And had a sheath and a sword belt and everything it needed. And it was just the right size and weight for Peter to use. Peter was silent and solemn as he received these gifts, for he felt they were a very serious kind of present. 
Susan, Eve's daughter, said Father Christmas, these are for you. And he handed her a bow and a quiver full of arrows and a little ivory horn. You must use the bow only in great need, he said, for I do not mean you to fight in the battle. It does not easily miss. And when you put this horn to your lips, blow it. Whenever you, then wherever you are, I think help of some kind will come to you. And he gives some more gifts and some more gifts. And if you know the story of Narnia, those gifts are exactly what those young children need to beat the witch and win. And that's just like Acts 2, verses 1 to 13. If you've got the Bibles, get them back open to page 1093. See, the final, chapter, the final chapter has begun. And Acts 2, verse 1 to 13, is, is God equipping his people with all that they will need for the final chapter. And much better than a bow and a sword. Do you see what they get? Verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. See, up till now, they've been waiting. The, the disciples have been waiting around um, for, 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 for Jesus commanded them. Jesus says in Acts 1, verse 4, Wait. And so they sit around and they wait because they aren't ready to go out yet. They, they need help. They can't do Jesus' big mission on their own. They need some support and some backup. And so what does God do? He equips them with himself. He gives them God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, in and with them. The greatest of all gifts. So, so that they are fully and forever equipped Here's what John Stott said about it. He said, he said this. It's on your sheet if you want to follow on there too. Um, he said, look, there can be no life without the life giver. No fellowship without the unity of the spirit. No Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit. And no effective witness without his power. As a body, without breath is a corpse. So the church, without the spirit, is dead. We need him. We need the Holy Spirit. He is vital to everything. Uh, and so we're going to think about him in three different ways in um, the second part of the talk. And we're barely going to scratch the surface. So here we go. Part one, the Holy Spirit. He is real. He is real. Have a little look at verse one. Sorry, verse two. They're all together in one place. Verse two. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. Verse three. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Like Luke is trying to show us, look, look this is a real tangible event. The, the sound, the sight, the touch, the, the speech, like, 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 this is actually happening. Your senses are involved. You can, you can measure this stuff. This is really happening. The Holy Spirit's not a not so imaginary friend. He is real. And not just real, but essential and vital. Because the Holy Spirit, um, his name appears 57 times in the book of Acts. 57 different times he appears. He is essential to everything that the disciples get up to. And he's essential for us too. Just like John Stott says, um, he's like the, the, the electricity running through power cables or the blood running through our veins. Without him, the Christian life is futile, pointless. It doesn't work. And... That's why what happens in Acts 2 at Pentecost is, is so huge and amazing and incredible. Because up to this point, right, uh, God's Spirit has come on one person for one task at one time. 
individuals get the Holy Spirit for an individual task. So like in Exodus, there's a guy called Bezalel, who, who, who the Spirit comes on him, so Bezalel can, can create this beautiful um, tabernacle for God, and then the Spirit goes and comes on others for the Old Testament, like a guy called Samson. When Samson's battling the Philistines, the, 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 the Holy Spirit comes on him, giving him great power, and then goes. One person, one time, one place. And yet, look at the difference here. I've look at verse 38 of Acts 2, it's on the next page over. Verse 38, Peter says, look, if you believe in Jesus, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every single person. So, so no longer one person, one place, one time. It's now for all people who believe in Jesus, all the time, forever. Like, amazing, what a huge difference. The Holy Spirit is real, and he lives inside every single Christian. And so, get this, this is incredible. If you are a believer of Jesus, you are a supernaturally empowered person. You have the Holy Spirit himself living in you, equipping you, glorifying Jesus, pointing you to Jesus, um, prompting you, guiding you, helping you, encouraging you, comforting you, and so much more in, in, your, in your life. Like, isn't that beautiful? Let's cherish the Holy Spirit, the gift that God's given us. Why not this week make it a goal to say thank you for the Holy Spirit every single day? Because he is an amazing gift. He's real. And number two, he is for all of God's people. Now, I tried to learn um, Danish uh, a few years ago, five years ago. And I had this like beginner's guide to Danish and I spent three months like listening to these, these CD things, reading this book, doing exercises, trying to learn Danish. And if you try to learn languages, you'll know it is not easy. It's really hard. In fact, three months of learning language, right? Here's what I can say in Danish. Be prepared. This is, this is mind-blowing. Kartoffel, mölchokrolis, or rollkoll. Yeah. Potato with chocolate ice cream and red cabbage. So I'm safe in Denmark if I ever get lost there. But, but, but like, like, that's three months of language learning and, and that's all I can say. Like, pathetic. And yet look at the disciples. They're sitting there, praying. And in an instant, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, verse, th- verse four, and began to speak in other tongues. Fifteen different languages they can start speaking in. Um, Parthian, um, Egyptian, Libyan, they can speak Arabic, and on, they can speak fifteen different languages fluently, perfectly, no vocab learning, no verbs, no subjunctive clauses, like, like they just know it fluently. Imagine how easy French exams would be. Oh, incredible. I would have got an A star. Um, like, it's amazing. And the point of that is verse 11. People hear these disciples declaring the wonders of God in their own tongue. God's Spirit enables disciples to speak in all these different languages to show that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is for all of God's people. For every single Christian. God has no barriers. Heaven is going to be filled of every single race and nation and tongue under the earth. Isn't that amazing? Like the global picture of God's people. And as a little side note, um, this is why the work of Wycliffe Bible Translators is so important. And we've got our mission partner, Susanna, who's going to work with them. Their, their aim is to get the Bible into every single language uh, uh, on, on the earth. Because did you see the effect of hearing about Jesus uh, having these people? In verse 7. They are utterly amazed. There's something powerful about hearing the gospel in your own heart tongue. 
Um, as William Townsend said, the, the founder of Wycliffe, he said this, the greatest missionary is the Bible in the mother tongue. Isn't that awesome? And isn't that just what's happening here in Acts chapter 2? The Spirit comes on all of, all of God's people. And that means the Holy Spirit is on all of us here who believe in Jesus, which means as, as Jesus has no barriers, we should have no barriers either. We should be united, joined together, not letting political differences or age or gender or little petty disagreements blocking our fellowship and our unity together. We are one because we have one spirit. So let's celebrate that. The Holy Spirit is for all God's people. And the Holy Spirit is powerful. Um, Monday night was an incredible night. I don't know if you've heard, but my beloved Barnet Bees drew three all with Brentford, a six-goal three, a non-league Barnet taking on the giants of Brentford. It was incredible. There were flares. I I can't describe how good it was. I even hugged my brother at one point. It was that good. There were flares. There was excitement. There was shouting. It was was amazing. And I can't get across just how much much fun it was. Words won't do. Because there are certain moments in life when when, when words just uh, are inadequate, aren't they? Barnet for me, but um, for, for Luke, and his is much bigger than mine, uh, words that sort of fail him here in Acts 2. Because look how he describes what happens in verse 2. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. And in verse 3, what seemed to be tongues of fire, like human words won't do. He can't describe what's happening. It's just so incredible, so amazing. He's like, what? And so he uses wind and fire a wind and fire, which in the Old Testament are symbols of God's power and God's presence to describe this event. His point is, at Pentecost, God Almighty rocked up. The Holy Spirit is none other than God Almighty, who equips these disciples, these Galileans, who are known for their uncultureness and their um, unschooledness. The Holy Spirit equips them and, verse 4, enables them to speak in other tongues. The Holy Spirit is powerful. And he helps these disciples declare the wonders of God in 15 different languages. That's amazing. And again, if we are believing in Jesus right here in this room, that same power is at work in us too. The same power to, to do two things that we're going to think about today. Number one, the same power to, to help us talk about Jesus. So... We don't need to feel inadequate or feeble or not ready and not equipped for the task. We've been fully and forever equipped with the Holy Spirit. We have all we need. And secondly, the Holy Spirit is the power to change us. Because often there are sin and habits in our life, as Phil was talking about earlier, that seem really big and difficult and just seem to weigh us down and never seem to change. If we're Christians, remember the Holy Spirit. Don't give up fighting. Don't give up battling. Don't be crushed under the weight of sin and guilt and shame. You've got the infinite resources of the Almighty God living in you. And He is powerful. So keep praying, keep battling, keep going. And as, as, I, as we end, I just want to, just want us to cherish and rejoice in this amazing gift that God's given us. The Holy Spirit who is real who is for all of God's people, who is powerful. It means we're never, he means we're never alone in this final chapter. Isn't that awesome? What a truly remarkable and undeserved gift. So let's pray and thank God.
Father, thank you so much that at the first Pente- at that Pentecost, Father, you gave your Holy Spirit to your disciples. And that means that your people from, from that moment on were fully and forever equipped, are fully and forever equipped for life in this final chapter. Thank you for the most precious of gifts. You yourself living in us and with us, Father. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to talk about Jesus and to help us change to be more like Jesus. Thank you so much for this gift. Help us to cherish him this week. Amen.